just wanted to take a quick second and wish uh, one of our co-hosts a happy early birthday. Uh, that is Grant Wickham. He'll be turning the big 2-1. Big 2-1. Thank you. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Uh, I'm going to go to work and go to work the next day. It's kind of tough that it's on a Thursday. I know. Thursdays are tough. And I, I, I would take it off, but I just missed two days for being sick two weeks ago. So It's a lot less fun. Like, you know, birthdays in general. Just I love how I'm talking like as if, as if I'm old and I'm still in my early 20s. So it doesn't really make any sense. But uh, welcome yeah. into the Production Line podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Garth Wickham. Grant Wickham. And Andy. I don't think I didn't give the birthday shout out to Andy when his birthday came. So I feel kind of guilty about it now looking back. I'm just more like, more special. I'm playing favorites. Yeah. <laughs> special is right. Um, yeah, on this episode, we'll be recapping some playoff hockey, um, talking some potential coaching news again. Um, the Boston Bruins being in a absolute flux and yeah, whatever else kind of comes up throughout the show. But first, a quick word from our show sponsor and friends of Inside the Rink, BetUS. BetUS has your NHL, NBA, UFC, PGA, and yes, NFL betting lines for their 27th year of live betting. Sign up for BetUS.com with promo code RINK for 125% sign-up bonus. Again, use promo code RINK for your 125% sign-up bonus. Play with a proven mainstay in the industry. BetUS. You bet, you win, you get paid. BetUS.com. Man, um, I'm. Did it feel like a sweep for the Western Conference Final before the series or during? Like, no. Looking back at it now, like, did it feel like a true sweep? Yeah, really. It was, it was domination. I don't know why I saw that on Twitter. People were saying that that was not a, a normal sweep, or they were saying it on air. I can't remember, but that was complete domination and it wasn't particularly close i mean you had your high scoring games but ultimately they the oilers got dominated on both ends of the ice i would say game three was kind of not the case i thought edmonton outplayed colorado for the majority of game three but I mean, I, I I'm a little bit upset that it only it only lasted four games because it, it's Easily was, I think, in my opinion, the best series of the playoffs so far. Mm, yes and no. I mean, you can argue any – I guess the Calgary-Edmonton series is just as – maybe not as fun, but that series is great too. Yeah. yeah I, sure. factor, I factor-wise, you can see what you're talking about because it was like <clears throat> McKinnon versus McDavid. But after half of Dreisaitl, if even half – of him and McDavid, there's nothing for Edmonton going at all. Well, I love how they hyped it up to be McKinnon versus McDavid, but it ended up being McCarr versus McDavid, and McCarr won. Grant, what were you saying? What were you telling me about McCarr like uh, a couple days ago? I said he's literally, it's not even close. He's the second best player in the league. Um, I still think it is McKinnon versus McDavid, just because, of, like you said earlier, they're the two centers, they're going head to head. But Makar dominates both sides of the ice. I've said this for, I think, since he's came in, into the league, 
like the first playoff game that he's played, I fell in love with his game. But he scored that goal against Calgary, first game of his career in the playoffs too. He's dominant. He's literally he's gonna. I he'll go down as probably the best defenseman of all time. Really, I I, th- I think so. Um, in this day and age, he's he's a freak. I he's doing more than what Eric Carlson did in that run for Ottawa, basically. And that run was spectacular to me, and it stands out. I I said Eric Carlson was the best player in the league that year. Um, I wouldn't go as far to say Ms. McCarr is the best this year because of McDavid. Mm -hmm. But those two are – if there was a different league besides the NHL that was above the NHL, the first two players in that league – to me, are McDavid and McCarr, and I'd have trouble finding a third player to go into that league. I don't know. I, throw, I think I threw a dry settle there. I don't. I I wouldn't go as far as to throw dry settle in that quick. Dry settle has lots of flaws defensively that stand out to me. Uh, where I think both McKinnon or McDavid and McCarr are for their position light years ahead ahead of everybody. I don't know what what Drysaddle did on only one leg this whole playoffs. I mean, he put up thirty one points. That's insane. Yeah, granted, seventeen of them were in Calgary. That is, it's even crazier. It is even crazier. But what he he was two points from passing the most points ever in a series in NHL history. Yeah, and it only they only played five games, which is I like it's it, hard to argue that he would not have broken that record. I mean, but once you get into the dry settle conversation, you're getting into the McKinnon-Matthews conversation of going into that next league, too. Yeah, absolutely. I, I get it. Because I, th- I think if – you can't tell me that if McKinnon or Matthews were playing in the Edmonton Oilers system, they wouldn't be putting up ridiculous numbers either. Yeah, maybe. I mean, it'll be they play interesting a way They play a way more crazier game. Yeah. That's just what happens. They just – their, their play style got shut down so quickly against Colorado because all it is is try to create Ahmed rushes back and forth and see what happens. Yep. Best of luck. And they beat the Flames on Ahmed rushes. I am really curious to see what happens with Edmonton this offseason. I mean, they have so many decisions. And I was listening to something uh, with the Merrick show today. And so Evander Kane's contract situation still, like, Obviously, his contract was terminated by the Sharks, but it's still going to an arbitrator, and they don't know how it's going to rule still. Like, there's a reality where he goes back to San Jose because the contract was not correctly voided. So, then in that case, he would be traded probably to Edmonton with that contract because Edmonton, obviously, why would they want to give them up? So, there's a crazy scenario where it's another issue with cap. You have Yamamoto, Pugliarvi, um, who else am I missing? Ryan McLeod, that's another one who played really well in the playoffs. Um, there's a lot of cap issues. Well, the first big thing I want to talk about there, those are all guys that are under, what, 24? Besides besides Kane, yes. I'm talking about our phase. Yeah, yeah. Jesse Pugliarvi has the chance to become a very powerful top six winger in my eyes. Ryan McLeod's yep. skating ability alone gives him the chance of being a middle six center that could end up being very good. He's already shown that he's really good on the penalty kill. 
he created so much more depth for Edmonton in the playoffs. I think they have to find a way to do something about these guys. And even Kaylee Yamamoto has been a great support system player for McDavid or Dreisaitl throughout the whole season, even in the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be really interesting because what do they, they have a f- 7 million in cap, I think. And with Miko Koskinen out the door, right. They're going to have yep. more. That, they still that? have this. No, I think that's projected with Koskinen. I don't think so. Uh, I'd have to look it up. I'm not going to obviously, but I, to my knowledge, I think that's how that works. It's projected for next season. So therefore Koskinen would be out of the picture. And then yeah. with Mike Smith, not sure what he's going to do. Um, or maybe, yeah, it's factored. I think it's okay. So maybe it's not factored in yet, but they also have to factor in Darnell Nurse's extension. Oh, yeah. Which basically equals out the Koskinen contract because D- Nurse was making like five something and now he's making 9.2. Yeah, that's yeah, a tough one. Pretty sure it was uh, Koskinen was excluded from it from like what I saw was a game three, had to be game three. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm pretty sure Koskin was excluded on it, but they didn't say nurse's extension went in, but I already knew it was going to happen. Right. Just knowing. So I think they had just over, just right around seven without Koskin. <laughs> um, Jesse, Jesse Pugliarvi will be, I don't know. I feel like that's like one of the best offer sheet candidates all, all summer. Cause if you get, if you, do it around like four and a half to five. I don't think that's enough. Like, I don't think Edmonton's going to be able to make that work. I mean, he's just an easy candidate to me. Also, yeah. I would, I let's trade Philip Peronic for Jesse Pugliarvi straight up one for one. Ken Holland gets his draft pick back. Hectic. I Hectic. like it. That's right. That's right. Um, but I did want to go back to the series itself. Um, what were your guys' opinion on the Evander Kane, um, Nazem Kadri hit? It was horrible. Um, it, reckless play on a player that can't do anything about it because he doesn't know what's behind him, obviously. It's going into the boards hard, just takes a cross check in the back, and nothing he can do to stop himself. Yeah. I felt like, I don't know. I'm not NHL player safety, so I guess I don't know what you would do for a suspension there. They're so inconsistent, so it's hard to rule what to give them. I, there's no guideline anymore. There's I mean, no it was the rest of was the rest of his season. <laughs> yeah, that's what I said it would be. I said it was said one game, and then I don't know. It's gonna be the rest of the season. Yeah, Andy. Like. Yeah, it was a dirty hit, obviously. I think it deserved the one game up. And, st- like, I don't think it should have went longer than one game. But, because, like, I don't know. Like, I, if I'm Kane, I see what he's trying to do there. Like, because Kadri is known for reverse hit. And, like, he said that. But even right away, like, before, he, like, that game ended, I saw when I watched, when I saw the play happen, I was like, all right, well, he's trying to avoid the reverse hit. What he should have done is just ride him into the boards, not, like, shove him, you know, like kind of just guide him into the board so that way he can't get away from him. But instead, he just extended his arm and cross-checked him from behind. And Kadri was out probably for 
they're not sure, but probably the rest of the season. He had surgery on his wrist, so. Uh, surgery yeah. on his thumb. His thumb, sorry, yeah. So. Uh, TS- TSN just put, did post something on Instagram. It was like uh, not co- officially ruled out for the playoffs, Kadri. And then Kadri commented, we'll see, with like the dot, dot, dot. Mm. So a little, so. little tease. All right. No. Well. I'm just so impressed with how the Avalanche were able to – how they were able to do this with not only without Kadri, but also Sam Gerard, who was their third defenseman. But uh, now uh, that is clearly now Bowen Byram, who I thought was like one of the most impressive players in this whole series. He is so much fun, like all over the ice, so good in transition. I also thought another player that really stepped up was JT Comfer with some huge goals. I mean, I think of game three where he won the game on the little, the five-hole shot coming out of the box and beating out Evan Bouchard. That goal was insane. Good yeah. Michigan boy. Um, yeah, just the Avalanche's depth was just too much for the Edmonton Oilers, and it was very clear. Did the Comfort have, like, four goals this series? Like, he had, three. he had three, I think. Like, he had three. Well, and then he had that game six where he had two goals, right? Right. For St. Louis, against St. Louis, yeah. Yeah, so that might be what you're thinking of too, because he had a huge yeah. game six. I know there was like a, he was like not on a scoring streak, but it was like within a game or so of each other. He was, had like four or five goals, like total over three games or so. Yeah. Just impressive. That just shows the depth. Like, like before, like when I wasn't surprised that Colorado swept them. Can we talk about how good that their fourth line has been? Yes. Darren Helm bump. Oh my god! He's honestly looked good. Did you see him just completely outwork McDavid last night? Yes. And almost scored a sick goal. Yeah, the, the little half clapper. No. Oh, that was. I'm thinking it's not a different play. Uh, I was thinking. I was thinking when he oh, when he beat Drysaddle. Excuse me. McDavid tried making a drop pass in the ozone to Barry, maybe, and Helm picked it off. Chipped off the boards and then beat McDavid. Do you remember that? Was that on the penalty kill? No. I'm thinking of that play too, Andy. I, I think I missed this play. Was it in the third? Yeah. That's why. I was in bed. Okay. Well, he basically just completely beat McDavid. And McDavid, it was a one-on-one back. McDavid was on Helm's back. And he, like, threw three cross-checks at Helm. And Helm still continued to the net. And then he f- Fake to the forehand, went to the backhand, and basically just whiffed on it because McDavid had so much pressure on him. But dude, if he had scored that, I think, I think it was a tie tie game, or the Avs were up by one at that point. No, the Avs were up by one because it was five minutes left. It would put him up by two. Oh right, oh, Helm was cruising. That's tough. Yeah, Arturi Lekin and uh, kind of clutch uh, two years in a row, sending his team to the Stanley Cup Finals. I think Miko ran and said something funny too in the pressers. It's something about they should trade for Finns every year or something like that. McKinnon said he'd trade 10 first round picks. For yeah. Him. <laughs> that's good stuff. Uh, that's funny. Um, I guess to wrap up the series going into the next one for Colorado, who are you start in game one? Francois or Kemper? Man, that's tough. I go back to Kemper though. Kemper's yeah. the better goalie. Uh, Francois did his job. Um, he got them there, but I guess it depends how you really feel. If you feel Kemper's one hundred percent, or if you feel like 
I, I guess that's not up to me. I, I would say Kemper, though. Mm-hmm. I also want to bring up a really interesting thing, too. With the surgence of Byram in this playoffs and how no- noticeably good he has been, and the uncertainty of Colorado's cap in the coming years. I know exactly where you're going with this, and I love it. Well, McKinnon's – basically, McKinnon – his contract's up after this year, correct? Not not uh, this, this yeah, year, but the yeah. following year. Yeah, um, he's going to be asking for probably around what McCarr got if they want to keep say, winning. I would say more. Well, yeah, I suppose. McKinnon I think he, really I, has a winning I goes, attitude. I think he goes 10 even. Yeah, he's got a really good attitude. Um, if you like, stems from his fellow Nova Scotian Crosby there. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel that... I know there was speculation last year too, but Gerard is probably on his way out. That would make a lot of sense. And I would I would take that money from Gerard and I would re-sign Nas and Kadri. Mm-hmm. Just to keep that depth. I don't think like when you look at it, I think JT Confer is best serves on the third line. Well, depending what you're gonna pay for Kadri, right? Well, you factor in so Let's say so. Kadri's money would come off the books, and then in turn, Gerard's would come off the book, books in this hypothetical, which is nine point five million. He's not making nine point five million. I think Kadri's made it pretty clear that he likes being in Colorado. If you can give him like seven with like a little extra term, more than you'd be like comfortable with, I think it's kind of worth it. Like a five-year deal. See, that's pushing it for me. Really? I don't know. If I'm Colorado, I think I do it. I'd be careful. Um... Other obviously, other obviously I'm, I'm, not talk, I'm not I'm not talking from a Detroit perspective. I want nothing to do with that. But Colorado, who's going to be competitive for that next five years? Yeah, I just think to me, you might want to look out elsewhere because you're going to be outpricing yourself out of other guys at that point. And if you think Kadri's still going to be competitive or really, really good at in four years, three, four years from now, when he's making still seven million, um, I don't know. Uh, yeah. I look. I think my first guy to resign is Arturi Lekkinen. But he's not. He's not RFA, so that's why I kind of. I mentioned you, you, can, you, gotta, you can just tender him and then worry about it later. Yeah, I think you have to focus money on him though right away. Oh, absolutely. Um, and then you can find other pieces. They, they have found diamonds in the rough. Uh, they have too many good players to surround themselves around. And that's why yeah. I think, if like if Gerard was actually, on the market. It'd be really interesting to see, like Detroit throw a package at him. Yeah, what it would cost potentially. Yeah, I wouldn't hate that. I would be interested for sure. He's locked up. I mean, he's locked up to a good contract, in my opinion. It's just that with Byram, he can fill that role and make a lot less money. Yeah. No, that's a good point. Uh, moving on to the other series, um, you can't count out the Tampa Bay Lightning. Like they're down 2 0, and they look like they're down. They're, they went down 2 0 in the game as well, game three. And then they come roaring back. And then Andre Pilat, who I think it's a franchise record for game winning goals in the playoffs at 10, I think in his career, as a seventh round pick. Insane. He's, he's yeah. so much fun. Like, that's just a guy like you don't really think about when you think of all the stars, and he's like seventh or eighth when you go down the list, and he's always just there. He's always in the in the muck. Um, but no, the Tampa Bay Lightning, I think that might have shifted the series. 
Yeah. That oh my gosh. That team is very, very good. And I the Rangers have just been banking on Shesterkin all playoffs. And I think the Lightning weren't used to that. Like playing a team that just lets everything hit their goalie. Yeah. Uh, so it was a really different play style the Lightning were trying to adapt to. Um I think tonight's gonna be really interesting. Kucherov has been absolutely phenomenal. He's one of my front runners for the Conn Smythe right now. And Gooch, yeah, he's been great. Oh, 100%. He's been Tampa's best player by a mile. Uh, he's a freak. I think Tampa will win this series. Yeah. Um, I just think they need to find a way to start beating Shesterkin a little a little bit more. Shesterkin's been a freak. He's been unbelievable. I actually think like a lot of like the Rangers good players are showing up, which was it? I don't know. I I like I thought if they were gonna go on a run, they were gonna get carried primarily by Shesterkin and win games like two one. And but like I've honestly thought like Zabanjad and Kreider have both been very good. Adam Fox has been good. Um Philip Heedle's been good, which is kind of surprising. Andrew Kopp. Guy. Just the only thing I want to comment on that is I, I love bashing the Rangers. That's what I'm gonna do here. Nice. I honestly five on five, I think they are a much worse team. Oh yeah. But what has been carrying them throughout the playoffs is their power play and their goaltending. Uh their power play is electric. Um the way that it's firing right now in all cylinders is Stems from their umbrella, and then you have Kreider in front. I don't know if we talked about this last episode. I think we did. I think we, we literally did. And uh, I'm in love with their power play. Oh, it's and then unbelievable. That that kid line has been very, very good. Yeah. Five on five. They've been really good. Their best He's, line, five they, on five. I was just going to say that, yes. No, yeah. Like, Tampa needs a little bit more from their their top guy. Like, I mean, I would say a little bit more from, like, a Kalorn. I would say who's been pretty quiet throughout the playoffs. Um, last year when he was their horse. Yeah, right. Like for five on five play at least. Like obviously power plays and stuff like that. It's gonna come in your top guys, but Klorin was an animal last year for them. Yeah. I mean, he plays a similar style to like I'm not comparing him to him, but he plays a similar style to Gabe Landscog. And he's got to start finding ways to possess the puck more in the ozone. Because when he's playing possessive hockey, he's possessed yeah no yeah that's i think that's a good compare he's a lannis cog light mm-hmm. yeah yeah off-brand gable tampa like in the first two games and then even up until like the third trade of game three they're always like they're trying to outskill the rangers i find where trying to like, skill it they're trying to skill it up yeah, like same thing is kind of like um, McDavid in the, the Colorado series, where there's times where like you're looking for a backdoor pass and stuff like that. Where, like in Colorado last night, Francis, not last night, sorry, game three, Francis was like already cheating to the back door. McDavid, all he had to do was flick it on net and he would have scored a goal. Yeah. And Tampa Bay started to kind of like realizing that a little bit where they're just shooting more short side pucks on Shisterkin because like, he just circling like off of patterns. He knew it's going back door or drop past to the slot. 
where they mm-hmm. just need a, like the odd time just look off the pass and fire one on net and yeah they kind of i mean i know what was it It was kind of a drop pass to palat well it was a drop pass to palat for the game winner yeah but um like that's like one one case where it worked but they just need to start firing pucks more like randomly at circa and keep them guessing because like you said they're the rangers don't block out anything they let sister can see the puck so if he's cheating it's a clear lane to the net yeah i mean getting in the grill is kind of what they did towards game three towards the end uh i mean you see Corey perry always in the grill i mean granted they took two penalties going to the front of the net there was the Corey Perry one where Shesterkin literally had one of the best flops of all time. Yeah. And I mean, he's done that four times in the playoffs now, at least. <laughs> Every time someone gets close to me, he just dives. And it's. Yeah. I was explaining that to Emma. She's she's like, oh, like, it looks pretty good. And I'm like, yeah, goalies can sell whatever they want because they're not going to get an embellishment. Yeah. It's pretty wild to me. And like, Corey Perry barely even touched him. The Riley Nash one, Riley Nash just had no idea where he was going and kind of ran him over. Well, it is Riley Nash. But who cares about Riley Nash getting a penalty? Like, if you're going to throw him in the lineup, tell him to literally run over the goalie. I don't know. Yeah. Whatever. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, like at this point where Tampa's struggling to beat Chisjerkin, you kind of have to do it that way. I mean. But I, I want to see, like, more of Corey Perry going to the net, whether you're touching him or not, after the whistler or anything. Just get in the head. I – Big reason why Pittsburgh literally pounded Chesterkin was their fan base and going to the dirty areas. Yeah. And just lots of just awkward shots from Pittsburgh. Um, And and their fans were very good. And I think that had a lot to do with Chesterkin being off his game. Yeah. Uh, That's a Tampa's crowd needs to get way more into it. MSG's crowd's been surprisingly good. Surprisingly? Really? Like, I think I usually just think it's kind of like Toronto in the case of like the high rollers come in and they're just kind of like corporate money that watch the game. It's just kind of like, oh, cool. It's like, I don't know. It's more of a spectacle rather than a fan experience. I feel like it's always loud the playoffs, those, those yeah. two franchises, especially. I was going to say regular season for sure, but when it comes to playoff time, you have your diehard fans there. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I just kind of, it's a personal opinion of mine. Um, but yeah, I've been like the last game or what game was it? I was talking to Grant about it, but I've been pleasantly surprised how entertaining it's been. The, the game, the series I've actually enjoyed like watching. It's obviously not, it wasn't Edmonton, Colorado. Cause that was literally crack, but no, I honestly think good. if it would have been Carolina and Tampa, the series would have been way more boring. I think so as well. Cause, cause you have two very methodical coaches. So, Where Gerard um, Gerard Gallant's literally on the record saying like I just put out guys when I feel like it. Yeah, he does not have strategy, which is which lend lends to more chaos, which is what I appreciate as a you know a viewer who does not have a dog in the fight. Yeah, it's it's fun to watch. And there's a lot of really explosive players in the series. Where I, I feel Carolina's a more methodical team, like you said, and a methodical coach, and they don't have the explosiveness that New York and Tampa Bay has. Yeah, that's what that's what's so fun about. Go ahead, Andy. I'm sorry. Uh, I'll just say they're like the Islanders, where they're very tight their defensive system. So if, if they get up to a one or two goal lead, they're shutting it down. And it's 
boring to mm-hmm. watch. But if you're if you're a fan of that team, that's good because you know you're going to probably close out the game anyways. I was just going to say, like, that's what I love about Tampa is they can play whatever way you want them to play. It's just they're built for whatever style. Like, they have mobile, big mobile defensemen, so if you, they need to play shutdown hockey, they can be physical. But also they can move the puck and actually get into the action, which yeah. is really fun to watch because it all starts from the transition on the back end. Um, should we get in some Red Wing talk? 25-year anniversary. We could start with that. It is the 25-year anniversary. Come to find out, as Andy told me right before, as I missed it on Twitter, but uh, 1997 Cup, which uh, was this... Okay, it was 90... I'm going to sound really dumb. Was 97 Washington or Philly that they beat? Philly. Philly. Okay, I thought so. I believe, right? Right, what? Both were sweeps, too. Both were sweeps, that's right. Yes, I was reading... I was reading something about the 97 Cup um, a while back, and it was like how like Linderos was talking about how he just was not ready for that series at all, in the sense he thought it was because Philly was like a favorite to go into it. Talk about depth. You have Darren McCarty scoring the cup clinching goal. That's right. Sick goal. Sick goal. Just oh, walked whoever the hell the defenseman was. I can't remember. Um, I'm really trying to remember now because I like that's like something obscure that I would remember. Because yeah. I literally talked about Brian Lashoff's first career goal a while back. Actually, no, I, I talked about that on FaceTime. I don't think it was on the yeah. podcast. It I was on FaceTime. Told, yeah, I told Grant Brian what when Brian Lashoff's goal first career goal happened, who it was against, and where the where the goal was scored. <laughs> Probably the most obscure thing I know. Yeah. On the road versus Columbus from the point on a slap shot. Oh. Yeah, the goat. I think it was 2012, I think it was. The goal happened. It's good stuff. Um, but yeah, other, other news were revolving around the Red Wings. Um, Cotton, Eliaston, and Kevin Mackey all not tendered ELCs. Um, the latter two I'm not really surprised about. Um, Kevin Mackey's a guy that got eaten up to injury. Eliasson didn't pan out. I'm pretty sure he was playing in the third league in Sweden this year. So not a huge shocker there. Um, I was a little bit surprised about Cotton, though. Um, me too, to an extent. I don't know that his play style will ever pan out in the NHL. But I think it's Byron Bader. He always has those the star charts. And his chart was very, very intriguing. Cotton's, I don't remember exactly how good it was, but. It was like he, 45% or something like that. To be an NHLer, uh, be a star. Be a star. Be sure. You remember how his production goes, though. Yeah. So he bases this guy Byron Bader, who's it's it's very interesting. I, I do like the charts because very it's a visual. Maybe I'm missing it up with Johansson. Maybe it's like a twenty percent or something like that. Either way, like more than what like you would expect. It was. Cotton. I think it was sub twenty. Okay. Um, but um, it was an interesting number to say the least for a fifth round overager. Yes, I think watching Cotton dur- during the prospects tournament and during training camp and pre-season. throughout preseason, he got torched. Um, yeah, and I know this year when he got traded from Lethbridge to uh Vancouver, his 
he took a big fall until the postseason where he was putting up pretty ridiculous numbers. But most of his numbers were coming from the power play with Fabian Lysel. Mm-hmm. Um, Cotton is a very one-dimensional hockey player. Very, very talented on the power play. Not the best skater. Um, he's good at shooting through traffic. Not the greatest hands. He's just good with the puck in the ozone. But other than that, he's not the quickest on his feet, getting back on plays, which is difficult. Not the best puck retrieval guy. I just think there's a lot of not the best at, <laughs> which is kind of kind of a big worry. But his offensive upside is ridiculous. Uh, I feel like I, I guess they just deemed he wasn't worth the contract spot. Because I don't know. To me, I, I I think I'd still take the the chance to have him try to play pro for a while. I don't know. Like I, I feel like let a guy like that develop. I don't know. I I see upside, but. With the Red Wings prospect pool right now, do you really want to take a, a dark horse shot at a guy where you're sitting? I think that's a good opportunity for another team to step in and be like, hey, I mean, if he goes undrafted this year, take a stab at him in free agency. Just give him a contract, let him play in the AHL. Who cares? A guy that I think of with that in comparison was it was Red Wings draft pick as well, Zach Gallant, who ended up like turning out a pretty decent like AHL career Yeah, so far. So far, anyway, he's still like he's still young. He's literally my age, but uh, he's from the 2017 draft. But uh, yeah, like I'm pretty sure he's put up like pretty decent numbers. Like as like a middle six guy in the AHL, which for like, uh, yeah, it's San Jose for a player for free. I mean, that's you need AHL depth. So I think he definitely will get picked up by someone because his offense is very intriguing. It is yeah, skating, and he did get. I, I felt so bad him and Sabrango. Like I felt like Sabrango was trying to play cover up. Most of the time, he was on the ice for yeah. Cotton's deficiencies. Uh, yeah, overall, like I, I don't think it's a huge loss or anything. I think it's, I was just kind of surprised a little bit in the sense of he does have offensive upside, but I, I hope get he it. gets a contract and proves wrong in the AHL next year. So I think the upside's there. I think he's going to be needs some work though. Yeah. I always like I I don't know I always like judge players when they do this, but he always he rocks the rolled sleeves, and I'm not I'm yeah. not I know Andy does it occasionally too, but I don't know I I just view it as a cocky move. Sorry, Andy. Right, I've always done it. I, I hated the sleeves going down my glove, so that's why. Yeah, I no, but he. Thing. I don't know. Cotton's for me like when I can like fully on see your wrist through the TV. I think it's extremely aggressive. Oh, uh, see, I just cover roll mine up and tuck it underneath my elbow pad which you guys you can still see my wrist but like <laughs> yeah, <all> yeah. <laughs> it's just a personal preference i suppose um so the uh nhl combine would get yeah, the draft combine was uh over the past week i think it finished up on saturday and it came out that the red wings interviewed uh cutter gotier um projected to be in the top 10 kind of a late riser big boy um, played um, played hockey in Detroit area for Honeybaked and Compuware, I'm pretty sure. Um, big deal is that he's confirmed that he wants to play center and will play center at BC next year where he's committed. Uh, I, I like this. I'm kind of intrigued. Uh, he did say he was a little starstruck when he met Eisman, which I thought was kind of funny. I mean, I'm just trying to think like how you – like the story that came out from Kirby Doc's interview with 
Steve Eisman, like, how is that? You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely intri- interesting. But I don't know. It's hard to weigh in. I feel like if, I, if I'm the Red Wings, you're probably interviewing most of the guys that they think are going to go top 20. Well, that's right. the whole point. I mean, even more. I mean, um, what's is it? Merrick Duke? Yeah, the kid. He confirmed he interviewed with the Red Wings as well. Okay. And he's he's projected to be like a late second. Yeah. So it's just kind of they're interviewing basically every kid there. I I just yeah. find it. I it, it's rare that like one actually comes out and like you find out. So that's why I think it's interesting. We and we can talk about the fact that we know that Gautier was interviewed by the Red Wings. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, there was, I think I forgot who, which first round prospect interviewed with. Might have been Coolidge. I think Coolidge said he like interviewed with 27 out of the 32 teams. I think it was 30 out of the 32. 30 out of the 32. That's which is just like that's a hectic day. I know it's not that all is a one busy day. day. I just assume it's not all one day. Uh, no, I don't think so. I mean, Slavkovsky's like doing trips. I know Cooley had dinner with the Coyotes and. I think Wright and Slavkoski are both going both going to fly into New Jersey to interview at the same week or this week actually. Wright and Slavkoski? Yes. Interesting. Yeah. Like, imagine being in that position where you're on your twelfth team that you're being interviewed by. And oh tell me about yourself. I'd be recording my like previously answered questions and just like holding my phone out and just pressing play. He just asked the other 12 teams I already talked to. Yeah. I guess there's a rumor. There was a rumor going around. I I forgot what podcast I listened to, but I guess there was a report saying that like a couple teams just like set up like mini basketball, like on one of the doors. And like, they just talked while they like shot hoops to like loosen up the mood. And I kind of like that. I feel like that's kind of fun. Like more of a shooting the shit kind of vibe Yeah. versus like button down interview. I know Ottawa was rumored to be asking if they had sport betting, sport betting apps on their phones. Which yeah. is in it, which is an interesting one. Like that's a question that's like probably more prevalent now, considering with the integrations of gambling and a Mister Evander Kane being so prevalent in the news as well. And I'd imagine right now most of those kids do have sports betting apps on their phones. Yeah, because Prize Picks has became a very big one. Yeah, uh, and who's not betting on player pop props when it's eighteen plus? It's true. That's true. 19 if you're on turn. Okay. Yeah. Sucks for you. Sucks for you. Um, but yeah, I always like hearing stuff about the combine. Um, and like this all came from our Mark Sheeg from the Hockey News. And I th- like I thought I read his article and I thought it was really interesting. Because I guess Marco Casper did really well with Columbus. Because he, he covers Columbus for the Hockey News. And I guess Casper interviewed really well with Columbus, which I find interesting as well. He's a really yeah. interesting player. Yeah, he is. He's he's a guy that's risen up draft boards as well recently, and he's a guy I want to like learn more about because I haven't seen enough of him to be honest. I've only seen a, like a game or so. I mean, I've watched quite a bit of Rogla, but I haven't really paid attention to him. Yeah, and then you'll notice him in in some aspects, but I I guess I haven't really paid full attention to him. I mean, there was yeah, the the shift of Albert Johansson just dancing him on the blue line and then Casper blocking two shots from him. I think, I don't know if you remember <laughs> that clip. I don't remember that. That's really fun though. Oh uh, yeah. It was a fun clip. It was fun. 
I did find it interesting that um as well like uh Joachim Kamel uh measured in like at I think oh. five he's short, I think he was like five ten or something like that, five nine. He was uh listed as five ten and a half, maybe, and he was measured in at like five nine and a half. Yeah, like I, it's surprising. That's a big one. That's a big jump. That was like me in high school. I I'd I'd bump myself up to what five ten. 180 well, it's always it's always the rule of uh <laughs> two inches and 20 pounds yeah that's always the rule even though i'd never had to do the weight thing i was always yeah, I was just even opposite. i was good on the weight i just i just cranked my inches up a little bit but yeah i was always the opposite i was like i'm five nine and a half i always said five nine <laughs> five, you went nine, down five nine 192 be an animal out there unit yeah tough in the corner i mean it's basically i mean not far off from my height currently but (laughs) oh we're not here to talk about my draft combine uh height and weight though i didn't weigh in but no i always uh, it doesn't mean anything but i always find it interesting to like read about personally um yeah a quick topic to kind of move off of this a topic that we kind of touched on last episode with dylan strom um, there are a couple more names speculated by Friedman with the RFAs possibly not being tendered. I mean, one of them was signed today with Gurionov in Dallas because uh, Bonus is not the coach. So probably was the reason there that he didn't want to, like the Dallas was considering letting him go. Um, but like there's a bunch of interesting names that like pertaining to the Red Wings, I feel like might be a decent shout. Like Victor Olofsson, Casper Kapanen, Ethan Bear, and Andre Kasha. I don't know. Any of those names like really pop out to you? I'm sorry, uh, Andre Kasha, Ethan Bear, and who's the other? Ol- Olofsson in Buffalo and Casper Kapanen. Olofsson might not get tendered? Yeah. I don't think Buffalo was too thrilled with him. Like, he was very, he's a very streaky guy. Why wouldn't they trade his rights? Yeah. I mean, probably more likely, to be honest. They have the cap space. I don't know. He was just, it was just a name speculated by Friedman. Um, did we talk about Ethan Barrage personally, or did we talk about it on the podcast? I don't remember. We need we need to stop like talking about hockey like outside of the podcast. Because Ethan Bear is a guy that I don't believe is worth taking a stab at. And at this point of Detroit, um, he showed that he's not great in a bottom pairing defense overall. He was really good this year when he played with Slavin. When D'Angelo was when was out, um, but I don't think he's much more than that a bottom pairing guy, and I don't think he's better than Gus Lindstrom. He to be completely me a lot honest. Of, uh, when we had Madison Bowie or Bowie, how are you saying his name? I Bowie. I compared yeah. him to Ole U Levy, except a better skater and better puck mover. I think we did talk about this on yeah. a different it's episode. Odd. I think we did. Okay, so I guess we came full circle there. Yeah, I don't know. Like, even Capitan is a penalty killer. He's an interesting option. Very speedy. Yeah, I mean... He's another guy, guy if they're not going to tender, I think he'll get traded. Yeah, I don't know. Because the issue with Pittsburgh is what are they taking back, though? Because you're they saying they want cap? They want cap, yeah. Maybe. I don't know. Unless you make a really interesting deal. Um you target someone really interesting that is also in a weird situation. Maybe yeah. like a, a Dylan Strom deal. 
which I don't think Chicago would do that, but I'm just saying a different RFA. You know what I mean? Yeah, maybe. No, I, I yeah, I think Strom, Strom to me is the weirdest one. I think I got, I don't understand why Chicago would get rid of a young center, but they also did come out and just say that the only players that aren't likely to be traded are Taze Kane and Seth Jones. I yeah. will give up the eighth overall pick right now for Alex to bring it and plus and won't think twice. Yeah. Not even, I won't even hesitate. I will not miss, I don't, I won't miss whoever we're picking at eight. Like, sorry, Frank Mazur. Sucks to suck. I have Alex to bring it. We'll send him Phil Peronic and get uh, Kirby Doc back too. <laughs> uh, him and Steve Eisman can be reunited. This, con- yeah. this conversation comes full circle. There we go. It's the best. It's the best. I love how we just ship off Philip Peronic to a different team in every episode. Yeah. I think it's like it's up to like eight teams. Stay tuned to next episode to see where Philip Peronic goes next. Seattle. We're going to Seattle. We honestly we just spoiled it. We should just spin a wheel. I didn't, I don't think uh, my headphone didn't pe- catch up what Andy said. So it'll be interesting if the audio actually catches, like picks up what Andy said. But uh, yeah, we'll just spin a wheel. We'll spin a wheel and see where Peronic lands and we'll just talk about a potential I'll, trade. I'll make a 32. 32- list of teams wheel and i'll have it in the background next episode no, and i'll spin it he's not staying spin that no. wheel well no we'll have detroit on there no because no. then that means we're buying him out and it's really interesting and i'll talk about the buyout we're, talking, we're oh. buying out philip <laughs> that's an option on the wheel that is a that is a take that'd be an interesting the wheel the wheel i don't know if i'd agree with the wheel there but that was that was a, more or less a joke the wheel doesn't lie though the wheel doesn't lie, though. Yes, the wheel of misfortune. We'll name it. Patent pending. Um, let's get into some uh, local news for me, anyway. Being a New England guy, um, what are the Bruins doing? What are they doing? Man, I could talk about the Bruins for days. I could as well. I like obviously with being affiliated with the inside the rink, like they have a bunch of Bruins podcasts and I'd love to just go on and like actually understand what's going on. I don't think they know either though. I don't think Don Sweeney knows what he's doing. So it came out last night that uh, it was, I'm glad we actually pushed back the podcast. And I feel like this is a really interesting conversation piece uh, as pertaining to the Red Wings. Um, Bruce Cassidy fired um, after five and a half years with the Bruins and also another six coaching in the minors there. Uh, where in every season they made the Stanley Cup, the Stanley Cup playoffs, made it to the second, made it past the second round once. But I mean, again, look at the Bruins roster. Um, you also, if you look at the J Fresh, um, expected goal, goals, expected against. goals. I was gonna pull it up right now. I'm not exactly off the top of my head. Um, it was very good though, like silly stuff. Okay, here it is. Um, Bruins five on five expected goals against ranking in Cassidy's tenure 2017 2018 second, second best 2018 19 second 2019 20 first 2020 2021 third 2021 2022 first. That's insane. That's a good defensive structure. And I don't know, maybe signing a Nick Felino to a two year deal worth almost four million a year isn't your depth scoring option. Uh, Thomas Nosek for two years at almost two million dollars. No offense, I love Thomas Nosek, but probably not doing it for you. I don't know. It just seems like whatever move that he makes is against like what Sweeney need or Sweeney what what Cassidy needed. Um, 
But yeah, so Bruce Cassidy being on the board, I feel like he automatically becomes, I mean, he's up there with Barry Trott's territory of being the, the most wanted coach now, in my opinion. Uh, Cassidy's going to land a really good coaching job somewhere in the NHL this coming year, whether it's, it's going to be one of the top teams, I, w- I would assume. I think he's really interesting to look at. I know there was speculation that he wasn't in, in the best place with the players, which uh, Bergeron shot down right away. I did see that. Um, I mean, his stats show it all. Uh, this is a team that has drafted very poorly the last um, 10 years. I mean, there's always the – Matt Barzell, Kyle 20, Connor, 2015 and draft. Thomas Shabbat, little uh, look-see, where they drafted, what was it, Zaboral, Debrusque, and Seneshin. Seneshin. Those are some three really good picks. Um, <laughs> that was atrocious. I mean, and then you had, what, John Johnny Beecher yep, in 2019. 2020 or 2019. 2019. Um, who was 2018? That was uh, the Swede, right? No, Vakanainen was 2017. 20. I'm talking about 2018. Or no, yeah, 2018. They didn't, have, they didn't have a first in 2018, I don't think. But that was their second round pick. There was the Swede. Was their first pick of the draft, right? That oh, was I, uh, I remember Axelson, I think. Oh right, yep. Um, and then Vakanainen, who I think is a good player, but not first round caliber. And you also traded him for Hampus Lindholm's horrible deal. That makes no sense for your team. Um, And then 2020, they drafted an overager as their first pick in the draft, which I really like Mason Lurie, and I think he's a really good player. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's solid. I like Lurie. So that's the only player I really agree with. I guess Lysel, I think, is going to end up being a good player for them too. But realistically, what is this team doing? I ask, um, and I don't know, because – they're in kind of a world of hurt with the way their team is built right now and what they're doing because they just gave up a really good coach. And so I would say that, okay, they're firing their coach to start a rebuild. Let's start fresh. Let's rebuild this team. But no, they're definitely not doing that. They just signed Hampus Lindholm to an eight-year deal. Mm-hmm. Um, they traded away a lot to get him. They, uh, I don't know. I Saw speculation that people think Pasternak might be getting traded because they think a rebuild's coming. Can, and... I, can I talk about? Can I talk about that? Yeah. So okay. the radio hit was tra- it was by the, the their athletic writer, and it was basically taken out of context. It's saying that like if they were going to choose to go that way, Pasta would be their best piece to move. That's all. That's all. Like he said, and then some clip was like taken out of it, saying that like oh, Boston's going to shop Pasternak. Which is just isn't true. It's it's if they were going to go down that road and he doesn't want to sign an extension. That's the only reason they do it. Like, I think if they had competent, like a, a competent general manager, I think they would they could do like a quick, like three year retool. I generally think that you have Swayman, McAvoy and Pasta who are all under the age of 25. All very good players, arguably top five players in each. of the, Not like Swayman, obviously, yet, but Pasta, McAvoy, top five in their position. Right, I don't think I'm. I don't think I'm on a line there. Yeah, I just um think about like 
I don't know if you didn't mention from that article, they talked about the Tory Krug deal where Sweeney just sent him to the moon, basically. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Um, that's what I'm saying. Sweeney's not good. Um, then basically, there was a source real close to Pasternak who wrote to the athletic at a chance, no chance he comes back with Sweeney's as the GM. Whoa, I did not see that. That was from Pete Blackburn, tweeted the picture of the article. Wow. From Fluto. Um, yep. Basically, it says, 88 had seen how Don had treated his two best friends. That was the quote. And a source close to Pasternak wrote the athletic in a text, no chance he comes back with Sweeney's as a GM. So that's real interesting to me. Um. But if you're so content on staying competitive, losing Pasternak is not in your best interest. Um, also, any move you're making, Bruce Cassidy, losing Bruce Cassidy was very not in your best interest. No. Just just some of these moves they're making are just mind-boggling to me. I, my, I'm puzzled. Um, like I said, the whole Hampus-Lindholm deal is a move that you make when you want to win. I think he's a good defenseman, but signing him to eight years – if you were to start a rebuild, that just crunched you. Good luck, dude. Yeah. No, they've put themselves in a tough position. And now not even mentioning their injury troubles going into next season. I mean, Marchand had double hip surgery, six six months. McAvoy shoulder surgery, six months. Grizzlick shoulder surgery, five months. Um, Mike Riley, I forgot what he had surgery on. Uh, three months, though. Three or four months, actually. I don't remember what the exact one was on Riley. Um, Bergeron uh, elbow surgery and 10 he's weeks. a UFA and he's UFA, but he's like, Oh, it gives me more time to think about what I'm going to do. Um, that, those are just huge pieces in your lineup that are, you cannot replace. And you can't tell me, I love that people are like, Oh, Marshall will be back in six months, six months. Yeah. He'll be back physically, but like, will he actually be Marshan? It's double um, hip surgery. If anyone can be really good after hip, double hip surgery it's Marshan, but yes i know look at coming. look yeah. at tyler sagan i wouldn't have i would have said the same thing about tyler sagan and just, he's gonna come back fine he's a superstar in the nhl true dude's put up a half a point per game now it's not his fault it's just his body shut down yeah i which i feel awful i love tyler sagan but I'm just i saying. also think yeah Marshan would be the type of guy that would be able to adapt a different kind of play style too i agree like his, that's his, his competitiveness yeah. he's yeah, his hockey he's, iq is outrageous he's a freak um where was I going with this? I just lost my train of thought. I'll, I'll, I mean, I'll pick it back up. Oh, basically, here's your retool. You just become really, really bad this year and draft in the top five next year and get a stop. Okay, I saw something. It was like, it was like, what if the Bruins end up getting um, Connor Bedard? <laughs> I mean, I'd just, be so mad. I would be a little bit upset, too. Um, but is this like the the opening for a Ottawa or Detroit or Buffalo to get in the playoffs this year? Um, possibly. Uh, a lot of it has to do with the moves that Detroit and Ottawa make this offseason and also how if Buffalo can keep what they ended the season on, keep that going into next season. Yeah. Because they were playing very, very good hockey. And if they can add other pieces to help complement their young guys, they could be a really interesting team next year. And also they need a goalie. <laughs> uh, I heard Jack Campbell's – it's rumored that Jack Campbell's like one of their preferred guys. 
interesting. Yes. I he does play that hectic Craig Anderson style hockey. He does kind of. That is not going to lie, uh, except a lot better at it. <laughs> yeah, I've heard I've what I've what from what I've read, it's Huso and New Jersey, Campbell, Buffalo right now. Huso's Still pretty early. Paid. Huso's going to get paid. That's really interesting then too. Is Blackwood out then of New Jersey? I think they want a 1A, 1B situation. Well, they have to have three goalies because Bernie is there. Oh, my God. That's right. Bernie is there. Bring him back to Detroit. I would take Bernie. I would love Bernie back. Because Blackwood kind of, I mean, last year he had that injury. And before his injury, he was bad. And then after yeah. his injury, he was bad. The year before, he was arguably a top seven goalie in the league. Well, he was considered for the Canadian Olympic team. Exactly. He was. Um, no, I, yeah, definitely for Detroit's aspect. I mean, a lot of it has to do with this, the system that's going to come up. It kind of goes back to Bruce Cassidy. I mean, if the Red Wings were able to get Cassidy, like, I don't think he's a guy that's super, like, I know it's the old saying of, like, coaching carousel, whatever, but Cassidy's really, he's only had, I should, he has had two NHL coaching jobs. One of them was in Washington in early 2000s, before Ovechkin. That's how long ago it was. And then was a college slash, AHL head coach for a long time. Um, also, ex head coach of the Grand Rapids Griffins. Uh, not while the Red Wings were affiliated with them, it was the Ottawa when Ottawa was affiliated with them. But I did, I did see something like I was listening to American Friedman today as I talked about it. Um, and they did, Mer- or, uh, Friedman did mention that he thinks Dallas could be a fit for um, Cassidy, but then he also did say like he wonders about like the old Ottawa boys connection with Steve Eisenman and Bruce Cassidy, as both are from Ottawa. Interesting to say no, least. like no, like real intel, but like just like throwing that out there, which I do kind of like. I like the thought of, especially if like Barry Trotz is already good as gone. Um, but yeah, I think I think my fit for Bruce Cassidy, although. We always talk about their management is Vegas. Uh, yeah, they have a good defensive core, and creating a good system where they're not giving up so many goals a game, um, and finding more stability for Leonard as he's taken over the starting goalie role. I have no idea what's gonna happen in Vegas. That's another team that's I'm so curious to watch this offseason. I mean, like Nick Hag and Bring Nick Wall. Uh, I mean, Nick, Wah, Wah, I'm less crazy about, but I'm just saying those two are both RFAs. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm just, yeah, I was, they're gonna have, I always make it about the and I don't know, lots of intrigue like make, in there. I like to make it about the Red Wings. Um, yeah, no, definitely with Bruce Cassidy. I think that's definitely a name. I, de- he, there's no way he doesn't get an interview with Detroit. Like, I think that's definitely happening. It's, I don't know why I wouldn't. I think he's a really good coach. Uh, yeah, it, it will be definitely an interesting off season in that sense. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think what else. Just a couple other quick things before we uh, finish off. Um, the Athletic did a fan poll for local broadcasts, Detroit number one, which I don't know. I I think it tells me that a lot of Detroit fans voted, but I mean, it's nice that we have a broadcast crew that is so well liked in our market. I think that's it means a lot. So congratulations, Ken and Mick. I know Ken put out a really nice heartfelt video, which I was happy about. He's just such a good dude, like one of the best dudes. Um, yeah. And we were, we were talking about before, like how great, like even the rest of the crew is like a Trevor Thompson 
who sometimes is like gets forgotten about and how he could be utilized so much more as he's so talented. Um, yeah, we also we were trying to like Grant was trying to guess of which ones were in the bottom. I of course Jack Edwards is at thirty, which is just kind of funny. We're which just I don't know. The Bruins. We were just talking. I know it's it's really funny, but I don't know. I don't think the Bruins broadcast is that bad to be like thirtieth in my opinion. I think they do a good job, but like I do, it's. I mean, Jack Edwards does bring it down a little bit. Yes, if you're a huge Bruins fan, I think it's a good time. Personally, um. Yeah, uh, not much else. I mean, to kind of go back to a team, a young team that uh, could be on the up and up. It sounds like Kevin Fiala, uh, it's rumored in New Jersey, is like the number one possible suitor for him in terms of trading for him, which I thought was a really fun fit. Him and Nico. Yeah. Uh, probably just for like the second overall pick straight up, I would assume. If not more, I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't know. No, I, I like I. I don't even know like how to speculate on that. Like those are always tough for me. Like trading for an impact player while you're in the top ten. Yeah, that's like how you value that. It's different when it's like a package for like pick like with pick like seventeenth and then like a prospect. You know what I mean? It's so hard to value that because how far do you really think it? drops off from like eight to two so i I, i'd kind of like how i would take care of this draft man it's so tough for me because i really like the top five for me is so set three forwards two defensemen that's what it is for me cooley right slavkowski and then the two defensemen i would probably go the three forwards are top there and then i go the two defensemen right after but then like six through like 15 i could care less like if I'm the Red Wings, I'd trade down. To be yeah. completely honest, like I'm, I don't like. I think you can get a player of similar caliber lower. To be honest, I, I think this might be a draft, and I know it's so like Eisman, and this is like really me, well throwing a crazy thing out there, but I think there's another one where like Eisman does try to trade down, it doesn't work, and then he we see him take a reach. Yeah, maybe. And I, and I know it's like not like everyone's like, oh, he's done it before. He'll do it again. I, it's like a tired take. But I, I don't know. I feel like this could be another one where Eisman takes the reach, whether it be like a Brad Lambert. Um, Mintikov. I, I think that's like that's the one I thought of right away. Not that we need more left handed defensemen, but he is fun. He's Chaotic. really good. He is fun. Um, yeah, like those are like those are the two names I thought of right away. I don't really have any other ones um, in terms of that. Because everyone else I, I like for that pick are kind of supposed to be in the top ten. So, as long as it's not like I don't know the guy I'm like just not the highest on is Connor Geeky. As long as it's not him, I'll probably be pretty happy with whoever they pick there. As Connor yeah. Geeky's big Rasmussen vibes. Yeah, except with a little more talent. The Geek Squad. The Geek Squad. I heard. I heard he was singing in his. Uh, his a couple of his interviews like very like charismatic like singing country songs so that's kind of fun i did like that interesting yes um yeah unless you guys have anything else i think it's gonna do for this one thank you everyone for listening uh make sure you check us out on apple pod um spotify please leave a yeah 
please leave a review on Apple. Helps us out with the charts. Follow us on Twitter at TPL Pod. Um, check out check out my work at Inside the Rink. Check out other writers at Inside the Rink. A lot of fun off season content. I did just put up today a fun free agency forward edition, which I think next week or the week after. I'm not sure yet. We're still kind of planning. We'll start our a free agency preview and we'll go position for one position every week or not one position like forwards, defensemen, then goalies to kind of finish it off going into free agency, which is only about a month away at this point. I mean, the draft is actually officially one month from today, which is crazy to think about. It's very exciting. Um, we also have some draft stuff planned, so stay tuned for that. Yeah, thank you everyone for tuning in.